Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hello, uh, it's that time again, uh, Facebook Live Q&A. I've got some questions here. If you have any questions you want to join in, then feel free to ask away. Um, with, uh, if you're wondering who I am, Jonathan Stiano is my name, consultant plastic surgeon, and I have got a YouTube channel, the Stiano Clinic, so uh, you can find my videos there. And uh, this goes on a podcast on iTunes as well. So feel free to comment and um, feel free to comment and share uh, if you have any views. And if you have any questions, feel free to ask me here live. Uh, But I do have some questions that have been asked in the week. So I will crack on with those to start with. And first of all, uh, I haven't put it up as one of the little... um, a little questions on there is do we do dental implants the answer is no we don't do dental implants i you, when i first started the clinic uh, there was an orthodontist who came and was looking into um sort of renting the space but he wanted to have the whole top floor and sort of take over a bit and we'd have to get quite a lot of dental equipment so um so the answer is no we don't do dental implants um but uh yeah breast implants yeah dental implants no um so see the chat hi olivia good to see you couldn't see the chat couldn't see the chat is the chat there i think i hope the chat's there i don't know i don't know what i don't know what you normally see is it different to what you normally see i normally do a schedule part post and this is this is i'm just doing this straight off so maybe it's a bit different um so how far round do they go with a tummy tuck does it lift your side of apron so um no the tummy tuck is really good at the front bit it really it does go quite far to the sides a tummy tuck a scarf my tummy tuck goes from hip to hip the hip so sort of hip bone to hip bone your anterior superior iliac spine that bony prominence that you have at the front of your pelvis so it goes from hip to hip so it is quite a long scar it goes across the whole front of your abdomen and sometimes it can go further than that but what you've got to realize with a tummy tuck if you have a look at the skin that is removed if you look at the pattern of skin that's removed it's an elliptical shape so it's very uh, tall at the middle where your belly button is and then it peters out towards the sides so the real focus of a tummy tuck is your central abdomen around where your belly button is the effect that it has on your sides your hips your flanks your sides and what you call the side apron gets limited the more the more you go out to the side so you can take more out from the sides by going longer now you've got to be you're limited as to how you you know where you're positioned on the operating table because you're lying on your back so you're limited as to how far back you can go but even when you do go to the sides uh, it is slightly more limited how much you can go to the sides there. So if you want to have those sides bits addressed, 
the lateral bits address, the best way to address those, well, there's two ways. First of all is with uh, liposuction, which is probably the commonest way. So you can combine the tummy tuck with liposuction to those side bits to get a nice contour to the side bits. And they respond well to liposuction, the, the hips, the flanks, responds well to, to liposuction to contour and give a better shape. If you have got a significant, as you say, side of it, you've got a lot of skin there at the sides, then the best way is what uh, is a 360 degree um, tummy tuck to go all the way around. So you might think that going all the way around is because you want to get the back tightened and it does take some skin off the back. Uh, so conferential tummy tuck because you do take some of the, the back. But where it really has a dramatic effect is on those side bits. If you look at how much is taken on the side bits, when you do a 360 degree tummy tuck versus a traditional tummy tuck, it's like that on a traditional, that on a, you know, that on a 360 degree, because you just, you, you don't need to, to peter into a point to sort of prevent that dog ear. So if you have a significant, but a 360 degree is a massive operation. It's only for people who had a massive weight loss. Um, but that's probably the best way to contour the, um, the side bits, um, failing that uh, liposuction, failing that nothing. Some people don't need liposuction. If you don't have anything, I know, I'll, you know, we'll give you advice and say, look, you know what, I don't think you need liposuction or whatever, um, but you, we can't address those side bits with a tummy tuck. And it's all about being informed pre-op because if you're not having liposuction and you're just having a standard tummy tuck, it's a limited how much uh, contouring you can get to those side bits. And it's about being aware of that pre-op so you're not unhappy afterwards. Sometimes people say, what have you done? What have you put here on my sides? I haven't put anything there. It's just that when you've got rid of the apron at the front, the side bits can look a bit more prominent. So it's about being aware of um, of what's possible. Tracy says, hi. Hi, Tracy. Olivia says, doctor here told me it was pointless me having tummy tuck just before surgery. I didn't think I had much at sides. He lifted up skin at sides and back. Um, I think that Pointless having tummy tuck just before surgery. I didn't think I had much at sides. He lifted up sides and back. Okay. Um, yeah. Not sure what that, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, all this stuff that I'm saying is just me saying stuff. And if you've seen a doctor, plastic surgeon who's given you a view, I go with what they said because they've seen you in person. If they're giving you advice, they're probably better than me just giving you general, you know, I'm just giving general views here but uh no substitute for an in-person um in-person consultation sarah big up yourself how you doing sarah nice to see you here tonight is the recovery on a 360 yes sarah it's a monster a 360 it's a big deal it's got a much higher complication rate you've got tension on the back tension on the front it's a big deal sarah there's it's significantly so i would say uh it's a it's a bigger operation than a than a standard tummy tuck and something that's only rarely needed to be honest with you and uh, it's it's difficult so you have to go all the way back so you have to change position while you're in theater while you're anesthetized which is never great so it's a big deal olivia says wi-fi gone now that's pretty impressive that you're actually posting wi-fi gone because don't you need wi-fi to post that but anyway well done somehow getting the post out that your wi-fi has gone maybe that went just before the wi-fi had gone Olivia's in the house. Could you have liposuction at the same as a tummy tuck? Yes, you can, Olivia. And it's quite common to have liposuction, especially to those side bits, those hips, the flanks, the side bits to contour those side bits. That's quite common. What sort of face is that, Sarah? What's that? Is that a thinking face? Looking up? I don't know. Not really. All right. 
So I'm not really good on emojis. I am a big fan of the emojis, actually. Having said that, and a bit of aficionado. Um, how do I get compression garment on my arms if I'm alone? Uh, fat, well, two things. This, this is compression garment general and arms. Double prong question. We've got a two pronged attack on this one. So first compression garments in general. How do I get a compression garment if I'm on if I'm on my own? Answer very difficult slash nigh on impossible, depending on what sort of garment it is. If you have a pressure garment, what we normally do, and this is a patient who's had surgery elsewhere who's asking, I mean, what we would normally do is try and get the nurse to do the pressure garment with you before you go, uh, if you're going to be taking it off, just to, to check that you're comfortable taking it on and off. But it, to do it on your own is very hard, and it's actually sometimes hard for us to do it. For two, to, you know, you need two people to do it, it's a two man job. Um, and uh, you know it is a two-man job and it's a it's difficult when it's a two-man job with not you involved so um therefore three-man job you know two people apart from you if that makes sense well as well as you you're obviously there because you're wearing the garment but um but you could you could do it as a two-man job with you being one of the men slash women um so you could do it with yourself and you hold it and the other person hooks it over but uh, to do it on your own so certainly in the early post-op stage is really hard slash impossible uh, of course it makes it difficult to wash and things if you're on your own i understand that but um that is a difficult thing to do oh and the other thing with arms sorry i'm being dis distracted the other thing is arms uh compression garment on the arm now my personally for an arm lift i don't use a compression garment um I think compression garments are good. I think they are good for support. They help with swelling. They make things comfortable and they are good things. And I use them for tummy tucks. I use post-op bras, uh, which is sort of like for compression for for, uh, for breast surgery. But I don't, um, but I, but they're for comfort and uh, arms. I find it difficult. The problem with a compression is where the compression ends. The compression has to end somewhere and you you run the risk of getting swelling past where that compression ends so um it's hard to get compression on on an arm so if you're doing surgery on an arm if you put a compression garment on if it sort of ends mid forearm you might get swelling distal to that you might get swelling past it if it ends here so ideally you'd cover it up to sort of a glove but then that's a massive compression garment if you go all the way up to your hand um Similarly, and probably more importantly, why I don't use a compression garment when I do an arm lift. When I do an arm lift, I have a straight line scar and there's also an, an extension into your armpit. And it's and if the compression garment ends in that armpit, it can make it worse. It can irritate your scar and it can make the swelling worse past where the compression ends. So I find it really hard to get good compression on the arm. And I find the problem with compression garments is where it ends, where they begin and end. You get swelling past them. And it's a particular problem with the arm because obviously you've got to move your elbow and you, um, oh, that's your elbow, isn't it? It's got to move your shoulder. You've got to move your shoulder and stuff. So you can't sort of be in a plaster cast. You have to move. So it's hard to get the compression up there into the armpit. So therefore, I don't use it. So another question, which I also haven't put on there, like, isn't compression essential and things? It isn't essential. It's for your comfort. It does help with swelling. But if it's uncomfortable, if it's digging in, if it's giving you red marks, and again, this is my view, I'm like, well, don't, you know, you don't have to use it. Sometimes men, when they have a gynecomastia, the compression garment digs onto the armpits and things. Unless they wear one of those T-shirts, those tight T-shirts. Women with the post-op garment for an abdominoplasty sometimes find them uncomfortable digging in. 
and what have you. So I'll say, look, wear big pants, the big supportive pants instead. Just wear something else. You don't have to be too prescriptive about it. And you don't, well, again, in my view, because you get my disclaimer up, uh, in my view, I think it's more important that you are comfortable uh, than, than you have some compression garment that is sticking in, digging in, causing red marks, worst case causing ulceration, you know, they can cause problems. And, um, you know, so I don't think it is the be all and end all. And if it's digging in, if it's uncomfortable, try something else or perish the thought, maybe do without it. That's what I would say. If you're my patient, you're not my patient. So you better stick with what your surgeon says. But this is my view on the on the compression garments. They're for your comfort and they're for your um, support. They're not actually compression. They're not supposed to be when you take them off, you think, oh my God, you breathe a sigh of relief saying, that's it. Um, I feel so much better. Um, if that's the case, I would say, look, they're probably a bit too tight. Certainly if they're leaving red marks and things. So um, that is my view on it. But if you have had surgery with someone and they've said, look, you've got to wear the compression garment. It's absolutely essential. You can have a disaster. If you don't, then you better do what they say. Don't do what I say, um, because we've all got different views on this sort of thing. Um, Sarah says, have you seen my love? Oh, matron, matron. Um, Terry, I think that's a clap. Big up yourself, Terry. Big winner last week. Was it last week or the week before? Terry's in the house. Gemma's here. Evening, Gemma. Olivia's got the Wi-Fi on and off, hence the um, hence the, the the comments. We've got the Olivia sisters in tonight because we've got the Olivia Pendleton and we've got the Olivia Stilton. How many surgery can you have at one time? That's still that's Sister Stilton saying that. Uh, that's a funny question, Olivia. How many surgeries can you have at one time? What are you going for the Guinness World Record or something? Um, how many do you want? You know, I mean, you can do a lot of stuff to people. You have a road traffic accident, you break, break lots of bones. You come in theatre for hours having bones fixed, having, you know, brain hemorrhage sorted out, heart contusion fixed, lungs, liver laceration. You have it all done because you have to have it all done in one go. If you have to have it done in one go, you can have a lot of operations and be in theatre for a long, long time. But the thing about this sort of stuff, all this sort of cosmetic stuff, it's elective, it's planned. You don't have to have it all in one go. And so the question more is how much is right to have? You know, how much can you have at one time? You can have an awful lot at one time. You can have your arms, your legs, your tummy, your breast, your face. You can have all this done at one go if you want, but you're not going to be very good post-op. So it's more about thinking about how you're going to recover. So, you know, if you're having your tummy done, maybe your legs as well, um, but don't leave your arms alone, you know, because... You know, if you're having one art one side done, maybe leave the other side or something like that. You know, having your breast and and your tummy, maybe arms or something, and then leave your legs. You know what I mean? Just try and make it so that you not know, you know what I mean. Um, a little bit on that, didn't it? Um, but just try and make it that's comfortable for you. So be sensitive about it. Talk to your surgeon. Be guided by your surgeon, and um, and just go with what's comfortable for post-op recovery. You got to eat. You've got to walk, um, got to breathe, you know, basics. Think of the basics. Um, look after the basics, Olivia. How long do breast implants last for? I had implants five years ago and was told they last a lifetime. I've now been told they last 10 years. What's the right answer, please? Ding dong. Look at that. Ding dong. Sorry. Um, 
what's the right answer? God, if I knew the right answers, no right or wrongs in this world. You should know that by now. It's just opinions and views. Um, yeah. Well, implants are built to last a lifetime. And a lot of implants, certainly all the implants we use, have got a lifetime warranty. They're built to last forever. So that is the answer. They're built to last forever. But obviously, but there, you can have problems. And the problems you can have is number one, rupture. Usually the warranty covers rupture if the shell fails and leaks or what have you. But the other one, probably more common than rupture, is capsular contracture. Now, capsular contracture is scar tissue around the implant, making it feel hard. Now, the implant's fine, so it's not actually a problem with the implant. It's a problem with the body's reaction to the implant. So that is probably the most common problem you're going to get. And that's why uh, they get, they can go hard over time. And I normally tell people it takes about five or ten years for them to go hard. So that's where the ten-year thing comes in. Now, they don't have to be changed every 10 years, but around five or 10 years, they might start to go hard and you might want to have them changed. So having said they've got a lifetime guarantee or, or you know, built to last forever, you might say, look, in five or 10 years, it's gone hard. I want to have it changed. And we might say, well, you don't have to have it changed. You can leave it. They say the first person to have it, the implants in, I, don't, I should check whether this is still right. I've been saying it for a few years now, in 1960, whatever, has still got them in. So, you know, 50, 60, what's that? I mean, yeah, 60 years. So, you know, um, 1960, 50 years. Anyway, a long time. Um, they're probably really hard, but, you know, you don't have to have them changed. We don't say you have to have them changed. You've got capsule contracture. They might well be uncomfortable. They go hard, they get uncomfortable. So you might want to have them changed. So if you're having implants, if you're thinking of having implants, well, you've already got them. So I just think positive and hope they'll be fine. But if you are thinking of having implants, you've got to factor that in. Five or ten years time you might get problems with them there are sometimes like polyurethane implants which are less likely to go hard so less likely to need changing but still factor in the possibility of needing an operation and often when you need these other operations like capsulectomies and things are often more expensive more invasive than the first operation so something to think about so yeah they they, they are of built to last a lifetime but around five or ten years you might start to get problems and you might uh, want to have it changed rather need to have it changed so Olivia, I want tummy tuck breast implants and BBL. That's why I asked the question mark. Now, I, um, Olivia, I think tummy tuck and breast implants is fine. BBL, bit different. First of all, I don't do BBL. Um, that's a Brazilian butt lift for those of us who are uh, not familiar with the TLAs. Um, so I don't do a Brazilian butt lift, but, but in general terms, having an operation on your buttock as well as your your front, you know, your, your, your tummy and your breast. Again, it's the turning thing. It's like the 360 tummy tuck. Um, it's the turning thing. So I think uh, I think that's a lot to have done personally. But again, talk to a surgeon. I think tummy tuck and breast is fine, but uh, I would probably have them done separately to the buttock personally. But um, I mean, it could be done, but can you imagine? Tummy tuck and breast, you're all bent over. You can't sit. You know, when you had a tummy tuck, sitting is really good because you, you're... Um, taking the tension off your tummy. So if you had, you know, whatever you had done to your buttocks and you can't sit, it's like, oh, flipping it, how do I get comfortable? I think that's too much personally, but you know, um, I will go do them separately, but buttock one, one sitting and then tummy tuck and breast other sitting. Tummy tuck and breast is quite a big, a big, what did you say? Tummy tuck and breast implants. I mean, that's quite a big operation in itself. Fiona, lovely to see you, hope you're well. Good evening to you. 
Uh, Elaine's straight in with a question here. Is there a good age for a facelift? Do I wait till I'm over 50 for longer lasting results? Great question, Elaine. Great question. So, um, no, there's not a good age. Well, Elaine, I don't do facelifts, but we got Kurum at the clinic and um, another surgeon at the clinic who does do facelifts. Good age for a facelift. Um, really, good age for any sort of surgery, really, is when you've got a problem sort of thing. I think you've got to think about when you've got a problem and have it done then. I wouldn't have it done uh, preemptively to prevent problems in the future, and I wouldn't wait to have it done later so the results last longer. You know, I don't think you should either have it done sooner than you need it done or later than you need it done. Basically, what a facelift does is it resets you back to a better place, but you will continue to age. You can't stop time. We don't lock you in that time. So it just resets you back to a better place and you will continue to age from that place. So I guess if you the longer you wait, do you get longer lasting results? I think the, the results are going to last the same, although as you get older, your skin is elasticity gets less. You've got to be careful with your skin, avoid too much sun exposure, avoid smoking, things like that to maintain a good quality skin. But the result lasts the same amount of time. But obviously, if you have it later, it's sort of, you know, sort of last longer you know like if you have it when you're 55 you're going to look it's going to be better at 60 than if you have it at 50 oh god i, I need a graph i need to draw a graph of this so it re it re right so you have it at 55 so you sort of need it can i get some help here please i need some help um i should have thought of this so you need it at 50 right and you're going to say i'm going to wait till i'm 55 for longer lasting results. So you have it at 55. So that resets you back to a better place, but you're still going to age from there. So it will last longer than if you'd had it done at 50. So at 60, you'll be better than you would have been. Get me out of here, guys. Alarm. It's far up. You'll be better than you would have if you'd had it at 50. But you'd have had those five years without the facelift, right? So that, that, yeah, so you might you so have it when you need it, because those years fifty to fifty five, you would have looked better, or you would have you know. But you waited till you're fifty five, so you can look better for fifty five to sixty five instead of fifty to sixty. Not saying last ten years, but you know. Do you get that? Do you get me? So basically, it lasts the same amount of time whenever you have it done. So have it done when you need it. Don't have it done too soon or too late. But obviously, the later you leave it, the less likely you have need of using it, having another one. I have, to, I have to reflect on that answer. Is that something? Maybe if you play that back, you can get a nugget of truth from it and see what I'm trying to say. And I don't feel that came out very well. But anyway, um, Sarah, whoa, big question from Sarah. A couple of people I know that have had tummy tucks, not with you, are not happy with the new shape. Thanks for pointing that out, Sarah. <laughs> They've lost their waist and now are very flat, but have a more manly shape and have lost their curves. I understand that there is swelling for a long time afterwards, but how do you avoid this happening where you shape it, Sarah? It's interesting, you know, I was thinking about this. Thinking this sort of thing I think about. I was thinking about this in, in theatre the other day. You know, you've got a wound and you stitch it and they're stitching it and they're stitching it. You know, I was doing a tummy tuck, uh, not today, yesterday, and I was thinking about this because anyone can stitch a wound well you know it's well within reason but what you try and do 
as a plastic surgeon, you know, often when it comes to finishing an operation, when you come to closing the, the wound, that's the end of the operation for a lot of surgeons and they, you know, take their gloves off, walk out, wait, you know, let the registrar stitch up or, you know, try and that's it, finish the operation quickly, get it done. With plastic surgery and, you know, cosmetic surgery in particular, closing the, the wound, if you like, is is the operation. You know, it's the, it's the, it's where the where the, the action happens. And so what you're trying to do is you're always trying to bring it in immediately to try and get definition on the waist and to narrow the the uh, the abdomen and, and get that contour. And it's something that we try and do when we try it when we do the surgery to get a good shape to the abdomen. So that is part of the surgery. So, um, yeah, absolutely. They're swelling for a long time. So how do you do that? Where you try and medialize everything, you try and bring it in from the sides to try and pull it in to get good definition on the waist. Certainly combining it with liposuction can help that. But um, when you're doing the tummy tuck, that is something that you do to try and uh, try and <laughs> um, make a better shape. So, yeah, it's it's part of a tummy tuck. That's why you've got to look at people's before and afters, try and get someone who you think's good. Um, Fiona, what is recovery time for a tummy tuck? Big op, Fiona, a tummy tuck is. Bent all up double in hostel for a couple of nights. Drains, uh, walking all bent double for a bit. Off, dressings, what have you. Abdominal binder, dressings on for a week. Uh, after the first week, you come back, we take those dressings off. Normally, don't need a dressing after a week. That first week, you're not going to be up to much. You're going to be bent over double. You're going to be relaxing at home, watching a bit of telly, keeping moving because you don't want to get blood clots and things. Second week, you're going to be feeling better. You're going to be pottering around the house a bit more, maybe doing a bit of, if you can work from home, maybe doing a few emails and stuff in the second week. I wouldn't really be going to work and stuff. Two or three weeks normally for driving and therefore for going back to work. Particularly if you're employed, I would say three weeks to be safe. If you work for yourself, maybe after two, two, two to three weeks, you'll be going back to work as long as you can sort of knock off early if you're feeling a bit uncomfortable and a bit um, sore. But um, probably three weeks would be safer to say, to start getting back into things, driving, getting back to work, things like that. But um, even at three weeks, still feeling a bit weird, scarring, a bit red, and all feeling a bit, you know, a bit swollen, and you might be a bit sort of, a bit uh, uncomfortable when you're walking. And then probably about six weeks before you're doing the gym and running and impact sports and, uh, um, you know, activities, lifting, heavy lifting and things. Uh, and it's, three, six, 12, 18 months for the scars to settle, numbness, funny feelings, shape, swelling, blah, blah, blah. So it takes a good long time. And all things start to settle at three months, I normally say, you know, but it can take six, 12, 18 months for it to, um, it to, um, to settle. Good question. Thanks for that, Fiona. Elaine understands my sentiment. Thank you, Elaine. And I'm sorry if I, I got, I got getting all sorts of trouble on YouTube with my rambling. I'm saying I'm rambling with my questions. I've got to, I'm not doing myself any favors tonight, am I? God. Um, we get your chick PMSL. Nope. No idea what that means. We get your chick PMSL. PMSL. Okay. I'd like that comment if I could, but I'm not on the, um, I'm on the, I'm on my, uh, dashboard but yeah get right back at you Ali right back at you Ellie <laughs> so how do you do long blast how where are we up to 
Is it possible to have a breast reduction sealed with glue instead of stitches? Yes, it is. Now, we don't, well, say we, plastic surgeons tend not to use much glue. Um, glue is something that, you know, when you're in A&E and you cut your head, or you, if your child cuts your head, they glue it. Um, so, what's PMSL? Why does it want to do PMSL? Oh, oh, PM, oh dear, oh dear. Is that what PMSL is? Oh, I'm glad I didn't know what that was. Ellie, really, what are you writing that sort of thing for? Dear, oh dear. I thought that's LOL, isn't it? Is that what, P is that a thing? PMSL? Oh, I don't know. I'm learning. I don't know if I want to be exposed to this sort of, what are they? Anyway. Oh, dear. I'll tell you what. Um, right. Thank you. Thanks for your <laughs> So, um, yeah, glue is usually in A and E and stuff where you, you know, your child cuts their head and it doesn't really matter what the scar looks like because it's in their hair and things and they can't really stitch it properly because, the, you know, just
have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.